Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. We will be your co-pilots taking you to infinity and beyond this evening as we are reviewing a film called Lightyear. Lightyear. Um, Of course... Referencing the character Buzz Lightyear, who is the star of this movie. And so we will be getting into all of that. But it's been a little while. Know what's popping this week. We just It's been a crazy week. It's been absolutely insane. And there really wasn't that much to talk about on movie news, so it ended up working out because there just wasn't a lot. It was a lot of stuff that was happening, like, you know, the Thor premiere was tonight and... Uh, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale and Doctor Strange releasing on Disney Plus. Those are all Disney-related Disney things. But, you know, the, most of the big stories that were happening happened um, last week. More, just more <laughs> Ezra Miller um, horrors. He beat up like eight more people. Man, man-made horrors people. Beyond, our, beyond our comprehension. So we don't want to talk about that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why we didn't do it, but we are excited to get to review a movie, um, a movie that was, that was meant to be one of the, you know, the big movies of the summer, got a big June release date window. It was the first Pixar movie to be back in theaters in a very, very long time, really since Onward. I believe it's the first one since Onward and Onward barely got any sort of run in the theaters because it was prematurely cut down by COVID. Um, so most people probably saw that on Disney plus, but it was Not actually the, it was the last movie that you and I saw prior to the pandemic. I remember that. Um, but yeah, Lightyear was Pixar's big return to the theaters, and so we're going to review that, and then we're going to play a game, Kirk, that I know that you have cooked up, and uh, I'm nervous about it. But you know, if it's if it's Buzz Lightyear themed or of that ilk, I will be. I think I will be okay. Yes, it's uh, either that or an array of botany trivia where i hold up a flower i've got a pot right here yeah and you have to guess the species yeah uh, the color and uh, where i pulled it from as well that's a nightmare scenario that right there (laughs) i think that's really good radio really good (laughs) podcasting for people who are only listening for me to give you visual cues only i think you're right i think you're right um so let's hope that it's not that, but we'll see, you know, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll just have to be ready for whatever comes my way. But first we got to get this review out of the way, Kirk, before we can get to the, get to the game. So let's talk about okay. light year, light year. Yes. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and synopsis this week. I believe I'm up. So light year, I think the best way to, to provide a synopsis of this movie is really the way that they provide a synopsis. Uh, with the Chiron text at the very beginning of the movie before you see anything, Chiron text pops up on the screen and says something to the effect of, this will be paraphrasing, in 1995, Andy bought a toy. That toy was from his favorite movie. This is that movie, okay? Or or he got a toy, because remember, he got it for his birthday. So this is meant to be the Buzz Lightyear movie that Andy saw that made Buzz Lightyear his all-time favorite character, toy, etc., that's the general premise for this movie. So that's why there's a different voice actor. And that's why this buzz is not a toy. He's a person um, who exists in a fictional, uh, you know, astro universe, you know, he's on different planets and, and things like that. And so really what this is, 
this is a story about a you know a space ranger who is exploring the earth think think star trek you know these guys like they go out they explore unseen planets they 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 decide if they're habitable if they have resources whatever they you know they're really going out to see it so buzz and other space rangers like him um, and like Colonel Hawthorne or Commander Hawthorne, who's with him on the mission, they're going out to explore these planets to see if they're habitable. Uh, long story short, they get trapped on the planet that we see them exploring, end up getting trapped there for years. Buzz ends up as this sort of like spaceman out of his own time in a way, because he's he is continuously trying to um, reach hyperspace, you know, that speed, like hyperspace speed. And every time he goes out on a mission, the rest of like he's gone for four minutes, but every everybody else has aged like four years, and so um, he does this multiple times, and so he's only aging literally four minutes while everyone around him is aging four years, and so over time, his friends get older, pass away, the the colony that they've built is developing into a world, and he's dealing with sort of those forces, um, not too unsimilar from. <laughs> Chris Evans' character in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America, who is also displaced um, in a different time. So that's really the premise of the movie. Buzz is trying to get them off the planet because he's the reason they got trapped there, and everybody else is kind of trying to tell him to move on, that it's time to move on and, and to be accepting of where they're at. So that is the basic groundwork for the film. Anything I missed, correct. Kirk? No, and um, if you tuned into this episode and thought, well, they're not going to spoil it for me, well, you're welcome. We are going to talk all about this thing. We are. And uh, hopefully you bailed if you wanted to, but if you got this far and you haven't seen the movie, continue to listen on. Listen. Listen on. Listen on. That's the new phrase, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, we haven't, we haven't spoiled the big twist, but we will, you know, so that's a, that's a good warning. Like, we will spoil the the things that happen in this film. We will talk all about it, so... To Kirk's yes, point, when Buzz becomes oh, I no, almost did it. <laughs> I didn't give them an out, did I? No. Okay. When Buzz meets Buzz and Buzz, older Buzz, multiversal Buzz is inside of Zerg. Buzz equals Zerg. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, which the ups- big twist. which upsets the canon. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Thinking about talking about. <laughs> continuity errors in the toy story multiverse is confusing <laughs> to say the least, but we'll, we'll get into all of that, but let's start first as we always do um, with the actors in the film. In this case, we'll be reviewing and critiquing vocal performances and not, not physical acting performances. So take that in mind, but let's start with our best actor in the movie for our category that we call, and the Oscar goes to, I am going to kick things off by giving my Oscar to Miss Kiki Palmer, who plays Izzy Hawthorne, who is the granddaughter of Buzz's original commanding officer, uh, Commander Hawthorne. So Izzy is the granddaughter of that person who Buzz becomes familiar with after returning from one of his missions, learning that you know, the world that he knew is gone and, and that Izzy is kind of what's left behind and she actually knows who, who he is because of the, the relation to her grandmother and all of these things. Um, Izzy is the one character in this movie that I really feel like was just really well thought out and well structured. She was deep, she was layered, and a lot of that 
I felt like just emanated out of Kiki Palmer's performance. Who I really like. I really like what she does. I can't wait to see her in the new um, Jordan Peele movie that's coming out later in July. Nope, because um, I think she does a lot of great work. But I thought this voice performance was great because this character has so many conflicting things going on in her head. You know, she has she has this lack of confidence going on because she's a junior explorer who now is meeting one of her heroes, you know, an actual space ranger. And she's trying to impress him while also dealing with her lack of self-esteem while also trying to show that she's the leader of this ragtag group of basically volunteer space rangers um, who are, you know, trying to do their own thing. And, And she's dealing with the weight of trying to live up to her grandmother's expectations, trying to make Buzz proud, but also, she goes through the process of learning that Buzz is dealing with his own stuff. You know, he's dealing with his own emotional baggage, his own um, trauma from his past of, of feeling guilty and feeling like he has this huge um, cross to bear because he's trapped everybody on this planet and he feels like, you know, he's this number one super soldier kind of guy who is meant to be the one to save everybody. And so he wants to only work alone. Um, and, and so she's got a lot of different conflicting interests going into this. And you can feel that in every bit of Kiki Palmer's performance. It feels like at each stage throughout the performance, she's aware of what's happening. She's aware of exactly how her character would feel and how she would deliver lines. I feel like there's, there's just this great unspoken, um, I don't know. It's just a really good vocal performance. Like she, she, you can tell when she's feeling unsure about what she's saying. You can tell whenever she's trying to be cool. Uh, you can tell when she makes that, transition to like, okay, I have to be the one to save Buzz here and he's not going to want that. And she can kind of see all those things. You can totally see the wheels. You can actually hear the wheels turning in her head, which is what a good voice actor should do. Um, I fell in love with this character. I thought that she had a really compelling story was, was the one character who, uh, she has this great through line of like wanting to be a space ranger, but is actually afraid of space. <laughs> you know, and she has this moment where she has to do it's, it, it's reminiscent of that movie, the Martian where it's like, or, or gravity where she has to like push off through space and try to hit something while she's moving. And if she doesn't grab it, then she's going to drift off into space. Um, and that's the one moment of the movie where I was like, Oh, come on, like make it do it. Uh, and, and she was the one character that I was rooting for. So it's for me, it's Kiki Palmer. It's Izzy. That is my uh, Oscar goes to. Kiki Palmer. Fantastic choice. This one is a tough one because when you go to the vocals, the vocals only, this is what matters. Can you make a full character flush it out without using your face? You have to study the character, study their beats, uh, what good? What gets them started at the beginning of their story? Where's their middle? Where's their end? And to know where that fits in, it's pretty difficult. It's more difficult than you can imagine. Because I've done several. I have four thousand credits on on audio. Uh-huh. Uh, go check it out on Audible. <laughs> um, but my Oscar goes to this one very specifically goes to Socks, the character Socks, played by Peter Sohn. I want to speak to this unsung hero of our time. This man has been with Pixar for quite some time. He's made additional voices in the likes of Incredibles, full characters in Ratatouille, Wally, Monsters U, and even as recent as Luca. Peter Stone plays Socks in this, and to an incredible degree, he fully sought out that this character 
Yes, it is a robotic cat, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it is uh, very to the point. It's very cold at times, um, but then there's like this warmth to it, uh, like as in when he... <laughs> When Socks rolls over and has Izzy pet its belly, uh, and he's like, "Yes, I do like this." <laughs> the, the very fun elements, um, get putting in and, and shining on moments where he's like, uh, basically reacting like Siri and uh, answering questions and being the the guru, the the web, the internet, the knowledge that the team needs, the computer assistant that they need, which was really great because it was very unexpected. Even though we saw this little robotic cat. Uh, in the trailer and quite possibly the best part of this movie. I think that what was, what made it special was all the different colors that there was uh, kind of mocking involved a little bit. There was the, of course the, the white noise to help buzz sleep. The uh, just the, just the ongoing through lines were all cohesive. And I think it's because Peter Stone's a pro at this. He's been doing it for quite some time. He knows how to make it not sound like him. And his voice isn't wouldn't necessarily be as recognizable, uh, probably to the 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 you know regular listener like ourselves. But this was very very on point on cue, and I'm super excited we got to see it. Did not expect that going into this movie that I would pick this person, this character, this actor for this particular award of ours that we give out week to week. But I've got to give it up to him because it's shown like the brightest star in a galaxy. Good job, Peter Stone. I love this pick, um, and I'm going to pile on because that's my scene stealer. Socks and Peter Sohn are my scene stealer. I mean, it's just for obvious reasons, all the reasons that Kirk said. I think this movie needed a jolt of life, um, and unfortunately, I don't think that Socks was able to carry the movie on. He came pretty darn close to, to doing – I mean, he did everything he could, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but it just yes. it was too big of a feat for him to conquer because what this movie really needed more of was heart um, and it just didn't have a ton of it, um, which is really a bizarre thing in a Pixar movie because it's really what they excel at in storytelling is providing something that feels real, that meets people where they're at regardless of their personal circumstances. This movie just didn't really have that. Um, but, you know, he brought levity, uh, Peter Stone, in his performance to some of the moments where you didn't really know how to feel, you know, like there were times where it's like, okay, this thing just happened and I feel like I'm supposed to feel like it's significant, but it doesn't feel significant. And at that time, um, Peter Stone would, would chime in with a socks line. Like that was utterly terrifying. And I regret having joined you, you know, like something really funny like that. Um, just delivering it deadpan and it always hit <laughs> the bit never got old. Honestly, it didn't. It's, it's such a, it's a really basic bit that's like not the world's most creative thing, but it just plays. Like it just totally plays. It's funny throughout the whole thing. They they play up on a lot of like the very low hanging fruit cat jokes, like with the hairball and uh, you know the purring and and <laughs> things like that. They do a lot of like very basic cat type humor that you would expect, but there's a lot of really smart humor in there too. So even though the bit is like not the world's most creative thing. It, it just totally plays. It works throughout the whole movie and they do a lot of creative things with it. And I think a lot of that is just Peter Stone totally having the comedic element in the front of his mind and understanding the vision and exactly how the line has to be delivered in order to hit in, in the spot that it was. So I give him a lot of credit. I think it's a great performance. I think it's a great character really made the movie 
And uh, yeah, socks, socks for the win. Probably one of the best Disney slash Pixar sidekicks that we've seen in a really long time. Yeah, man. When he <laughs> when, when he pulls out his sassiness or his just like drop down deadpan, uh, and like specifically with those like sleeping darts that he shoots out to people. Yes, uh, <laughs> I bought you five minutes. Up, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. When that pops up, I mean, it absolutely kills. Uh, it, it's so unexpected. The the dead robotic eyes with the voice that just just like plummets to the floor uh, with no energy behind it. He's like, I, I kind of like you. You're growing on me. I got this. So and he wins it three different times. They they nailed it right on the head with that one. Uh, just brilliant. I I want to watch it. I want to watch just the socks cut of Lightyear, just like <laughs> yeah. his greatest hits. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, who's your scene stealer, Kirk? My scene stealer. It's gonna go to. Mr. Christopher Evans. I wonder if I'm allowed to say that legally. Like if he's going to like hunt me down and say, no, 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 it's Chris, Chris Evans. Is his legal name Christopher? I mean, almost certainly, right? I don't, I would hope so. What if his name isn't even Chris? Could be. I mean, can you imagine like that's his stage name? Not even a middle name, not even his parents (laughs) name. Like he's like, I think Chris would fit well here. I'm just going to snatch that. Uh, Chris Evans. I mean, from the get go, you hear the color, you hear the uh, the homage, homage, however you like to pronounce it, okay, to Tim Allen in this. You hear uh, key lines that are repetitive that Buzz, we know, has said in the past or are allusions to Buzz Lightyear, I guess in the future uh, sense in this case. But you hear that tone. You can tell that he studied it. Uh, Chris Evans has a, a very rich voice that you can tell what it is. And that's why he's only the scene stealer for this one, even though he's the title character. His voice is so recognizable that he wasn't quite able to disguise it quite right in order to make this a full-on light year immersive experience, immersive character. Um, there are times when it sounds exactly like it should. Uh, there's, a, there's a good balance to it. And sometimes it's exactly Tim Allen. Sometimes it's in the middle. And sometimes it's straight up Chris Evans. Uh, and that's the part where, where it kind of held me back a little bit. But the moments of mimicry and the moments where he does blend that marriage and he's not trying to be a full-blown goofball, that's where, it, that's where he gets his sweet spot. The downfall that I saw, heard rather, in his performance was when he tried to be super goofy, super slapsticky in his voice. And I think that's more of the writing, a writing issue with this because, you know, he can't, you can't really improv unless you've had that conversation uh, to then change the animation uh, at the forefront. So I believe that Chris Evans was almost there. And when he did get it right, it was beautiful. And it sent you just chills up your spine at times. So bravo, Chris Evans, for stepping into a very difficult role uh, to something that we've had the same actor play it four times, four plus times, because there's all the the little minis here and there. Like, uh, it's not Tower of Terror, but what is it? Uh, uh, Toy Story, oh, House Mania? of Terror. Yeah, the, the, there's also that short, that like Halloween Oh, yeah, short. yeah, the, the Toy Story of Terror. That's what it is. Toy Story of Terror. Okay. Easier than I thought. Cool. Uh, so those those moments where stepping into and like piggybacking off of what someone else has done and now you're a prequel and you're a prequel but a movie that inspired the character. Very tricky. Well done, sir. I think that's fair. I think I think it's fair to say that he was put in a tough spot because I think it I think it was and I think the writing to your point I just 
I hated what they did with this character in this movie. Maybe, maybe hate's too strong of a word, but I just felt like they took all the life out of this character. And either because of that or, or, or just because of everything, I felt like Chris Evans really didn't bring anything to the table, in my opinion. Like, he... I, I do feel like the the lines that were like an homage to things he would say in that we recognize, like lines that we recognize from Buzz from the first movie, um, that stuff all played really well. They leaned on that a little bit too heavily, I would say, for sure. Uh, there were a few times where you're like, okay, enough of this. But it made sense why they did it. But I, I just felt like this character was so lifeless in general. Like, And, and I think it was more the characterization and the story that did that than it was Chris Evans. But that was like the main reason I felt like I couldn't pick him because I just really didn't like the character. I just really didn't. Mm -hmm. I I felt like what a weird thing to mess up in this movie. The, like the title (laughs) role. um, It's really a weird thing. And, and, and really all you have to do is make him really all you have to do with this movie is like make it a star Wars knockoff and make him like, a Han Solo type space cowboy type of character who, I mean, not, not necessarily high Han Solo in personality, but you know, like that level of cool with like the captain America level of honesty and, and like by the book rule following kind of thing. I don't know. I just felt like the characterization was all wrong and, and it was weird. It was just weird, weird, weird. It was. And we'll talk about that more in about two minutes. <laughs> we will. Okay. Let's talk about Showstopper. Um, for me, and I've gone back and forth on this, but I think for me, my Showstopper is the action set pieces because there there are very few of them. I think most of the actual like high octane action is like flight sequences. Him trying to reach hyperspace, you know, trying to slingshot around the sun or whatever the other planet that's in the solar system that they're in or whatever. Um, no, it is, it is like their son. Anyway, uh, that's a lot of it. But there are some actual combat scenes, like them trying to escape from the vines, him fighting Zerg and the other robots. Um, stuff you do not see in Pixar very often. So I'm always interested, like, how are they going to animate that? Because outside of, like, The Incredibles, we don't really get a lot of actual action, you know, with blasters and running and, and hand-to-hand physical combat. That just is not something you see in Pixar really ever. So I I really liked it. I thought the first scene on the planet when, they, when they're going farther into the planet and it starts to kind of fall apart and the vines are coming and grabbing them, like, I thought that was a great scene. For the, for the opener of the movie, I was engaged, and I felt like them the way that it was, you know, not shot because it's an animated movie, but the way that they mimicked the camera work to look like an action film and, and did the cuts to to make it play like a, a very fast-paced action sequence. It, it all looked really good, and the animation's top-notch as always. I felt like it was really strong work um, on the animation front from them. I, just, I, I do wish we could have seen more on the animation front because we're really just limited to this one planet and then like also Zerg's spaceship, and I was expecting us to be kind of like hopping through the galaxy in this movie, and I would have liked to see more of that. But um, the fighting that we did get, uh, the chase scene away from Zerg, whenever he's, like, chasing Buzz down in kind of, like, the open desert area as well as the hand-to-hand combat, all looked really good. And, and 
got the job done. There should have been more of it because I felt like at times the movie needed more of that life, that energy and the stakes to feel higher. But the combat scenes that they did have were solid and, and made me happy. I just want, just wanted more. Beautiful. All right. Your showstopper Kirk short and simple. This movie looked really good. It looks they're using the best technology out there. The absolute best. Um, maybe they even created some new technology. Sometimes Pixar does that, and then it just like blows your mind that they're still creating new technology to uh, to elevate their art. Like that's absolutely incredible. Like that's next level artistry on this planet. I don't understand it. So what when you get when you open this movie, you see just absolute color blasts. You see every single color of of the rainbow colors you didn't think could exist. You see shadowing even if you're watching right now or if you do a quick Google, the poster itself when you when I talk about shadowing, that's what creates a depth uh, of the, your depth perception, if you will. So that helps shape how you see that character. Do they look lifelike or you know they're a cartoon, but holy cow, you've never seen a cartoon move like that or, uh, or, or look up at the sky and see the light hit their face or their skin or their suit in a different way that you've seen ever before. So that then it helps reflect movement in a different way that you've never seen before. And that movement then enhances the storytelling. So the visuals on this were so important clearly to the director, to the creative team, and they nailed it. So visually it's a perfect film, but that's not what makes a film perfect. Yeah, I I love the animation. I thought it was really good. And I, uh, Pixar has been a little bit more experimental with their animation lately, I feel like. It really started with Onward and then uh, again with Luca. And even Turning Red, you know, featured some, you know, I, I think Soul, Soul was reminiscent of Inside Out in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in terms of animation style, character design. But specifically turning red and and onward and luca were all felt very different for pixar and this just felt like it felt like classic pixar animation but it felt like classic pixar animation 2.0 you know it just felt like very enhanced the details on specifically like the space ranger suits the spaceships um the design of like the dome uh planet like the don't like the the, what did he call it? The turnip was the spaceship. Um, all of that stuff yes. was really tight, and 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 the texture of like the ground and and everything going on on the planet was really solid. So I have to agree with you there. But yeah, let's talk about where this movie missed the mark. Let's talk about director shoes. For me, I feel like this is pretty simple, and I feel like it's the story. I I, I felt like they overcomplicated this story. I I don't think this had to be hard. I really think that the story that they ended up with was really convoluted um, and is a bizarre choice for a kid's movie to do uh, the relativity of space time. You know, like if you're, if you're traveling at X speed around this sun, then the, the force of gravity and the theory of relativity states that your time is passing at this factor while everybody else back on your planet is traveling at this fact, like, it's theoretical science and it's quantum physics and it's way too complicated for any kid to understand why that is happening. Um, so really odd choice. And they, they do this like lone soldier thing where he's, you know, kind of, uh, again, a man like displaced out of his own time, which I feel like 
is a really unsettling concept for people. Like he, the, they have this montage in the movie where he's just kind of like slowly watching his closest friend age and then die. And then he comes back to a planet where he knows no one and nobody kind of like wants him there. And they're, they're, they don't like his mission. Like it's just a weird choice narratively. And then the villain, they blow the villain in a major, major way. Um, because it's, it's him, you know, it's, it's the, it's the convergent, the variant buzz, you know, it's like he has traveled back in time and created two diverging timelines so that there can now be two buzzes, you know, the older evil curmudgeon buzz and the buzz that we have been following throughout this movie. When in Toy Story 2, it is established that Zerg is Buzz's father, at least the toys think that. And why would the toys think that if that wasn't the case in the movie. So that's like one of the things you kind of expect as a fan that it's going to be like, Oh, it's going to be his dad. Right. Because this is Zerg, but the whole Zerg thing in general didn't feel right. He didn't, he wasn't emperor Zerg, you know, he didn't have a Darth Vader type feel to him, which again is kind of what I'm expecting because in a way this has to be some sort of homage to star Wars because that is the, that was the joke in the Toy Story movie was that like Zerg was Darth Vader. And so I felt like they had to sort of recreate that in some way in this movie. And they just decided to go in a totally different direction that I thought was altogether off-putting and also way too complicated for a kid's movie. And by the time it, you know, they, they, the pacing comes in with the, with the villain thing because they introduce new buzz or rather, older curmudgeon buzz, the double buzz. And then they don't give you any time between like he's introduced and now he's the villain. Like, you know that he's going to become that, but they should have taken some time to make that, that reveal more impactful because they go through it so fast that you're like, okay, this guy's going to be the villain. And two minutes later he is. And, and it should like, in order for that payoff to work, it should be like, it should be like Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 where it's like he shows up and you're like, I don't know what this guy's about, but he seems chill and he seems cool and he seems to want the same things and then he becomes evil. Um, they could have played that out better. But the story was weird, overcomplicated, didn't really work in my opinion, um, certainly not for a kid's movie, and I felt like this should have been a slam dunk and it, and it just wasn't. Two things that you said. First of all, double buzzed, I think, should absolutely be a reference <laughs> yeah. term when we've been like duped all along. Yes. <laughs> Either they've blown the storyline by being overambitious or um, <laughs> I think that's it. Right yeah, like, I mean, it's oh, it's man. a weird choice. They double buzzed us. Like I could see it on our shirts as well. <laughs> like don't double buzz. Yeah. X, Y, there's Z there's something there for sure. <laughs> and then the second thing is that, yeah, this, this movie kind of needs like a prerequisite for children. So um, kids, uh, my, my six year old child, I think you need to watch uh, interstellar. By yeah, Christopher right. Nolan. Uh, Lost in Space 1998 with Gary Oldman, William Hurt, Lacey Chabert. Uh, Jared Harris pops up as the, the double buzz twist yep. at the end there. And Avengers Endgame and Star, Star Wars, Trek the whole series. And Star Wars, and Star yeah. Trek. Get it all in there. That's the prerequisite. You're absolutely right. The, the figuring out that as a child, I can't imagine. My kids haven't seen this yet, um, and I don't know that it's worth it because of the, oh, I, the we I saw it with my quality. wife, and we immediately went like, okay, we're going to have to wait till he's 
10 i don't know like right. like it's this is gonna be a hard sell it's just not really gonna work because it's so dialogue heavy too that right. like they're not sticking with it like my four-year-old is not sticking with this there's just no there's no possible way right like i was like locked in i was in a theater of like four people i'm in the back row and i'm like okay hold on i mean i look like <laughs> like winona ryder uh winning their their emmy <laughs> yeah. their golden globe uh that's that's how i felt like i was like trying to put the pieces together when buzz 2 popped out and i was like no 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 like you can't like retcon that line that line is already in toy story 2 it's been there for 20 years like this yes. can't happen creators at pixar and disney so let's keep going how about some more stuff so more director's shoes you know buzz is supposed to be this all-star that people look up to that people believe that uh that he's a great leader because he can do and he can't teach because he can do in toy story we see him as a toy clumsily um succeed at these things like like uh, i'm gonna fly and he flies across the room right things just happen for him that make him successful and he believes that they are by coincidence happenstance and the support of his team not helping him not get smashed to pieces so in this buzz never gets a win in this movie he comes inches clo close to achieving all of his goals and uh taking out a bad guy but no his his blaster fails and he almost gets crunched and he escapes at the last minute his team helps him thank goodness which is one of the central uh themes of this film and they beat it over the head like like no other than i've seen in this movie but how can he be the leader and criticize his other teammates his new teammates and his people that he's trying to impress before time passes by how can he be the leader when we never see him succeed? So how can this toy, the toy version of Buzz Lightyear, be such a hot commodity if we never see this character be a hero? Honestly, like there should have been moments of this, like big, heroic, exciting things past the first two minutes where he honestly still doesn't get the win where we sort of seen this and then it start to fall apart when he realizes that this mission, the new mission is different and he needs the team to succeed. He needs to open himself up to knowing that he's not the best and there is power in multiple people, right? We needed to see the win. That's my first item. That's how, that's how long that one was. Number two, the second one is there's a big personality clash. Buzz is the comic relief in toy story. He is the, uh, the nonsensical one. He is the Drax in a way where he's going to take things quite literally and then just go for it head first and not really think about it. And then you have Woody, who is the heart. And so in this case, they tried to do that, tried, where Izzy, in this case, really is the heart of this story. And they tried to keep Buzz as that comic relief, but it doesn't work with this version, this age of Buzz. He is too loose, like he's a person in this movie. He's not a toy. And there are moments where he does go that route of hard-headed and uh, blinders are on. He can only see one thing, but it's not enough. It's not true enough to the character, which goes back to what we were discussing earlier, that the the writing, the, the, the creation of this character was written in a very odd and strange way. Zerg, poor twist. We've, we've beat that to, to death. Very poor twist. And fourth, this one confuses me the most. This is my last one. The fuel at the very beginning of this movie, we are led to believe that it's just Buzz and older uh, Alicia Hawthorne, right? Uzo. I am just flabbergasted when they don't succeed in their mission and then they are suddenly revealed that there's multiple people. When I saw this, I'm like, wait a second. 
I thought they were the only ones on a small ship where they already have a community when they reveal, oh my goodness, look who, look who they're letting down because they failed their mission instead of, uh, instead of like him and like maybe two other people back at the big ship. No, it's very confusing because then they start to build this community over time and you're like, hold on, where did all these people come from? Why was there no, uh, kind of cut? to uh, like them talking to HQ like okay we're over here can you lead us this way nothing like that part was so disjointing to me and honestly I don't think I recovered past that moment where you're giving me just Uzo the actress and uh, Buzz Chris Evans uh, fighting all these aliens getting to their destination and then they just cut to the next scene hey guys we messed up but there's like hundreds of people. They already have a community and then they just build that world out. It doesn't make any sense. The editing was horrible in, in that spot. Uh, I know that we needed to uh, our, you know, get on the runway and learn our characters and everything, but it was so disjointed that I, I can't get over it. And it really upset me clearly. Yeah. They like, so they show everybody in cryo sleep. Like the very first thing is like the, the very first thing is the, them waking up buzz from cryo sleep because he's the one who's been selected for this mission. Right. Mm. And then it's like him and Colonel Hawthorne, but that's it. Like right. there is no other cut back to like, okay, everything went down in flames. So now we need to wake up everybody else from cryo sleep to your point. Like they just appear. And yes. I was, I was thinking like, Oh, what's going to happen to all those other people. But it's, it is not clear. Like they show, they don't, they barely show anything. They just show a bunch of like sleep pods. And you have no idea if they're full or empty. But then, like, once they show the people, you're like, oh, they must have been full, I guess. But it, it <laughs> is it is very strange. And there's no way that most people are tracking that or that kids will track that at all. Like, it's just, it's bizarre. And I, I love the first point you made about this guy needs to be a hero. My, my wife made what I thought was the best, most concise point about this whole movie. She She just, like, very simply was like, so we're supposed to believe that Andy saw this movie and bought the toy because I don't think you would. Like, what's so good about that character? And I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Like, what is, like this character is not the cool hero character. And, and to your point, like, he should start out that way and then go out to do this mission, fail, and then realize, yes. like, okay, I need the team. Um you, but he has to get the wins first, to your point. Like, it just doesn't make sense otherwise. Their whole premise he, falls apart. I don't think he kills a single bad guy or takes down a single bad guy in this. Well, it's, the only thing we see him baffling. do is go, hey, I, I got this. I'm going to get us out, out of here and then crash the ship. Like, that's, yes. the, that's the only thing over that over we see it. him do. He starts to interrupt Izzy. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys, I'm going to be in front. You guys stay in the ship. I'm going out there. I got this. Like, yeah, no, I don't trust this version of Lightyear yeah, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, he done anything. He's not done a single thing. Lots of lots of clear, um, you know, money grabs for the future for this one. I think we'll see that cat on shelves if it's not already, you know, yeah. socks right away. Which, man, if we can get like a really souped up socks, I will buy it and I will I will keep it as my own. <laughs> it's my a great character. Will not play with it. I will say this is my cat, and you, <laughs> he will only come to my voice. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's wrap this one up. Let's, let's talk overall thoughts and scores for me. Um, shocked. I did not love this movie. I, I just felt like this was such a slam dunk. I felt like as soon as they announced this movie, it's like, yes, of course they should do this. In fact, they, they had a, 
they had a show on the Disney Channel back in the day. I have no idea if it was good or bad because I was a child. I assume it was probably terrible, but it was basically the same premise. It was it was called like Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, right? And it was just like him and his other Space Ranger buddies doing missions in space. It wasn't the toy. It was like it was the guy. And so whenever this whenever this movie was announced and it was going to be Chris Evans, I was like, oh, this is a slam dunk. This is exactly how you do this. This makes total sense. I can see the vision. And then I watched the vision melt before my eyes in this movie as they came up with a plot that was so much more complex, so much more disjointed, a movie that had pacing issues, a movie that had a, a, a protagonist who just honestly just kind of sucked. I, I didn't really like anything to do with Buzz. I mean... He's not like the worst character ever, but he's just a total nothing character. He really just is is not what he should be. Um, it benefits from great art, um, good, like really good action sequences in my opinion, though there should have been more of it, and a supporting cast of characters that ends up being pretty strong. I liked Izzy. I liked Socks. I liked Taika's character, um, though like Taika in the bit part, role like Taika in the Korg role is getting a little bit overplayed in my opinion, but I, I see, I see why they're doing it. I also feel like this whole, um, I only work alone person who needs to work with the team is becoming a very tired theme. Um, it probably wouldn't have been the case 10 years ago, but now certainly there's a ton of those stories out there. Uh, so it's, it, this whole thing felt a little bit recycled and, and at the end of the day, just way more complicated than it had to be. I felt like this one could have been really successful with a lot more fan service, staying true to the original character in some ways without incorporating the toy portions of it, obviously, but just missed the mark on a lot of fronts. Got bailed out by the supporting cast as well as the art um, and the fact that it was pretty short in terms of runtime. That helped as well. So for me, I'm giving it a 5.2 out of 10. Um, it's very mid as the kids would say <laughs> these days, I could have gone lower. I could have gone higher. My original score whenever I was walking out of the theater was a 5.8. And I, over the past week of thinking about it, I went as low as a 4.7, but I decided to kind of split the difference between those two and go with a 5.2 because I think that it's right around that good, uh, disappointed that it wasn't better because I felt like it should have been. Yep. Should have been better. Should have, could have, would have Pixar really upset. This movie looked just like, like an easy, easy home run out the gate. And I don't know where to sit with it because I was fully expecting just this really exciting, really genuine and really unique film. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there at all. The The score that this movie gets is only by the visual merit alone and the scrapings of actors attempting to do everything they can to make this work. But by golly, we have all been double buzzed by this film. This gets a 4.4 out of 10 kernels for me. Yeah. And they set up a sequel for those of you who care about that sort of thing. Um, they do. They do. They they. This movie somehow, against all logic, has three post-credit scenes. Yes, you heard that correctly. Three post-credit scenes, um, one of which involves Zerg, 
uh, you know, kind of floating in the endless vacuum of space, but being alive. So I, I was kind of hoping that like maybe in the sequel, they find a way to fix Zerg and actually come up with like a real emperor Zerg. Who's like not buzz and not in a suit that doesn't look like the Zerg from the, from the toy story movies, but yeah, it buzz doesn't seem up. like they're going to. Mm-hmm. Picks up the the all white space time heist suits from yes. the end game. He like actually diverts in there, grabs a suit, like punches out like Captain America probably, yeah, and <laughs> rolls back down and like kills Variant Buzz before he can become the evil Zerg Buzz, and Zerg gets replaced with a microchip. In fact, they might even put Sox's microchip in there, and it becomes corrupt. Yes, and there it goes. I, we figured it out. We fixed it. Pixar, hope you're listening. I know it's, it's weird. I'm not excited for a sequel and, and the sequel just feels like kind of a slap in the face at the end of that movie. It's just like, Oh, by the way, we're going to try to make more money off of this. And you're like, you know, that's the thing as a business proposition, this is a really big missed opportunity and it did not do well in the box office. I, I can't begin to get into all the reasons behind that, but it did not do well in the box office, which is a huge miss because kids, kids movies, over the last few months have been some of the best performing movies in the box office. Um, you know, the kid kids movies are back in a big way at the box office. And this movie totally was dead upon arrival with only like 50 million, a little over 50 million in the domestic box office opening weekend. Ouch. That's brutal. I, it I lost to these. Jurassic world, which Ooh. was in its second weekend and got panned by critics. So that's, that's brutal. But you know, taking our art hats on and putting our business hats on like the only way to keep all of your toy story properties alive which is very important to disney because they have a whole section of a park dedicated to that um is to do spinoffs and to do them well this is the easiest spinoff to do so if you can't clear the bar on this one when you go to do x number of other spinoffs i just don't see it I, I, like this this should have been super easy I feel, I feel, I feel, I think, and I feel, I feel that the only way these sequels get made, at least the next one has to be released directly to Disney plus because there's probably too much of a money loss with this one, unfortunately for, for Well, them. And I think that they made a mistake. I think they've conditioned people to now think that Pixar movies are for Disney plus and, Oh, we'll just wait till it hits Disney plus you know, the last three Pixar movies to come out, or four actually, have gone straight to Disney Plus with no theatrical release. And so people start to go, oh, Pixar's on Disney Plus now. I, I really do feel like they have conditioned people for that. And I felt from the beginning like that was a weird choice. I feel like they are devaluing their own brand. And Pixar had such incredibly high brand equity, um, su- such a high brand equity. I mean, yeah. people looked at Pixar as guaranteed gold and now now that's dwindling and i feel like disney shot themselves in the foot with that big time that'd be a good survey to do out there to to get a group of people and say you know did you know that this came to theaters or were you expecting it on disney plus i think that'd be a good a good gauge right there well i think too like the the theatrical windows are so short now like dr strange is on disney plus as of this week it came out may 6th like the dust has not settled. That's that's six weeks. That's that's a really short window. Yeah, that's not enough time to pick up all that cache because people are busy. 
Well, people and are people busy. are already paying for Disney Plus. So, so if you are not worried about spoilers, you know, you don't really like have to deal with that on social and you're a casual fan, why in the world would you pay to go see something in theater? Why would you? I, I wouldn't. I, I just, just wouldn't. Wait. You just wait. So I think they're making some questionable business choices, to be honest. Um, and it gets more questionable by the day. Bring back the other Bob. Bring back the other I, Bob. Not to get into it, but I think he would come back. He would. I think, I think if the Disney board decides to, to boot Bob Chappick, which seems like a possibility, not immediate, but in the near future, I think Bob would come back. I think Bob Iger would come back. It'd be so good. It would be epic. He's watching his empire fall. He built it up so well. I know you have and to, like your legacy is only as good as the person that you put in place to follow up after you. You got to, you got to, you got to have a good successor. And so far things are rocky. It could get better, but right now things are rocky. All right, let's play this game, Kirk. Let's do it. You ready? I this think so. game, ladies and gentlemen, is called Cosmic Captains. Ooh. You hear all those C's? Yes. I had I had lots of different names. Oh I had boy. three. I had three. It was gonna be No, I can't tell you it'll give away the game. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Yes. This is very similar to last week, um, in which I can give you hints if you need them, but okay. you lose points if that's the case. So where you get ten points per question answered, and there are only four Four, we'll figure it out. I'm not sure how many rounds, how many questions there are, but you'll get 10 points if you get it off the dome. And if you need some help, it'll go down significantly. Oh no. So prepare yourself. I should also say how to, how this game works. Yes. That would be good. That would be good. Thank you. The way this game works is I'm going to give you, um, I'm either going to describe a movie. I'm going to okay. describe a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to describe a feeling that I have when I watch a movie. No, it's going to be a, the title of the movie or the character. And I'll, I'll point that without any points taken away to get you to this points, right? So if I just did captains, that's going to be too difficult because there's some really obscure names out there that we just know probably yes. the main actor that plays them. So I'm going to lead you not just into that, but into some smoother territory, if okay. you will. All right. Question number one. If you get this wrong, I'm going to disown you. Oh, this gosh. Is, <laughs> this captain, you must name the captain. He's the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Captain James T. Kirk. That is correct. I'm not a Trekkie. Aren't there, isn't, like, would Picard be an answer or no? You knew what I meant. You okay, exactly I, I, I well, no, I was that was an honest question. Like, I didn't know. Like, was is he the captain of the Enterprise too, or is he the captain he is, of something else? He is at, at he is at times. Okay, it's a different okay. version, a different uh, starship fleet number, which we could get into <laughs> great depths if you'd like. No, that's that's fine. Actually, I'm good. I I, I regret having said anything. <laughs> but here's a fun fact: my dad won the uh, the coin toss on getting me to be named a Star Trek <laughs> character. It was either going to be Kirk or Riker. Uh, also oh. from Next Gen, and uh, went with Kirk, but he did not win in getting me to be actually named Kirk Tiberius Doolin. I kind of wish he had, because that'd be a pretty sick middle name. Yeah, but it would be. I digress. The next one here. Are you ready, Cam? I think so. Ten points on the board. This next character, I need you to name the character, mm. is a boy who, to no fault of his own, 
got lost in space. Will Robinson? That is correct. For a bonus point. Okay. Actually, five bonus points. Can you tell me the original series, the original Lost in Space series, can you tell me what year was it set in? In the future, quote unquote. Yeah. The original Lost in in Space series, what was it set? I'm going to guess 2010. Ooh, very good guess. Although that is correct, incorrect. The real time frame was 1999. No. Yes. Wow. That they were traveling into the future in spaceships, fully automated AI robots and aliens, 1999. They were more wrong than Stanley Kubrick. So that is correct. That's uh, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, can you imagine? <laughs> like, you're the creator, and you are looking from beyond, or you're brought back to life, and you're like, oh no, look how sad and poor that this everything progressed. I can remember reading a a current science. You remember those? They were like those little magazines yeah. we got in uh, in grade school. That was like by 2004. So it must have been like, you know. I must have been in first grade, like 1998. They're like, by 2004, there will be functioning flying cars and they will start to become the norm. I was like, dude, that's only six years. And also, like, you ended up being very wrong. Very wrong. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, so this one is a three-parter. Oh. You can earn up to 15 points Ooh. on this. I lied. That doesn't compute. You can earn up to 30 points Whoa. on this. Getting real. Getting real. Okay. So... Three things you can name. You can name, uh, this is going to be a movie based off of a real person. You can name the real Mm. person. You can name the actor. And you can name the film. Okay. Okay. This recent biopic has a leading man filling the spacesuit of the first man on the moon. Name the movie. Name the actor. And the real man. Okay, so the, the movie's called First Man. Done. The actor is Ryan Gosling. That is correct. And the first man should be um, Neil Armstrong. 30 points to Cam, yes. ladies and gentlemen. I almost said Lance Very Armstrong. Nice. <laughs> 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 then I was like, no, that's not right. Live Strong? No, that's not right. <laughs> ben Foster? I don't understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, you, are, you have a perfect score at this point. This this is, hey, is I'm crushing it. This is my, my game. I'm going to dig deep on this next one. Good. So get ready. The next question is, this detective, I can't read my own handwriting. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I was bound to happen. Oh, I found it. I found it. (laughs) Got to look a little deeper. Look into the subtext here. This detective uses tried and true skills to solve the mystery of the replicants who walk among us. Name. The detective. Oh my god! Well, I know, I know that it's Blade Runner, and I know that it's Harrison Ford, but I can never remember the character's name. I'm so bad with character names. Um, He's a big one. I think, I think you can do it. Trying to think. Deckard. That is correct. Yes, I just <laughs> it came to me right there. Just Bravo, man! That is a little bit tougher because you know, uh, Blade Runner is fantastic and exquisite yes. and 
the final director's cut is perfect, not the original theatrical release, and I'll die by that sword. Yeah. And it's something that wasn't, um, wasn't, I feel like it wasn't big for our childhood, that it's something that we kind of had to explore intentionally. I agree. I'm thankful for, for Blade Runner 2049 because that movie was so good and it makes, it makes the first one better, which is what a legacy sequel is supposed to do. And so it was like, after having watched that, then I had to go back and revisit, but I'm, I'm terrible with character names. Like I, if it's not a massive franchise with really well-known characters, I'm never going to remember it. Like I just, well, speaking of well-known characters, Uh how about some well-known actors, Cam? Yes. This is going to give you an option for 50 points. Whoa. Are you ready for this? I'm going to name some actors that star in this movie. I need you to name up to four other big hitters, the biggest hitters of this movie. Okay. And tell you what, just for fun, name the movie. You get 60 points altogether. Can you do it? Wow. Crazy. Crazy. You ready? Yes. The first actor I'm going to give you. I'm going to give them all to you. You ready? So here we go. Ellen Burstyn. Of The Exorcist. Uh-huh. Michael Caine. Yes. John Lithgow. Star in this movie, along with four other big hitters. Name four. And the movie. Okay. Ellen Burstyn. Michael Caine. John Lithgow. That's how he talks. Okay, is the movie Interstellar? That is correct. Okay. So give me give me McCona- McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey. Correct. Give me Matt Damon. Correct. Does that count? It does. He's not on the board, but no, you're it's absolutely a, it's correct. It's a cameo. Um, Jessica Chastain. Correct. Let me think. Who else is in this movie? There are two more. There are two more potential. 10 pointers. You're up to 40 right now. Pretty good, my friend. Who else is in this movie? I'll be God's honest truth. I've only seen Interstellar one time. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not as high on it as some others are. uh, Just saying. Um, Jeez. I think I'm spent, Kirk. Okay, 40 points. I, I don't call that bad at all. You know, who was on my list is David O, who I can never pronounce his full name, David Oyelowo oh, oh, from Oyewoo, Selma fame. Yeah. And then Oyelowo. yeah, Miss Anne Hathaway as well. Anne Hathaway. I totally forgot about that. Yes, she cracks. She cracks up in space, as we recall. She's not, she's not Murph. 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 <laughs> Our final one, Cam, for just to, just to hit this home. Are you ready? Yes. Final one of Cosmic Captains. Believe it or not, this Cosmic Captain holds a top 25 spot on the highest grossing sci-fi film franchise and film series. We're certainly glad that they answered the transmission call. Who is the character, the Captain Top 25 spot, the character in this movie, on the highest, one of the highest grossing sci-fi film franchises franchises and film series in film history. Uh-huh. We are certainly glad they answered the transmission call. They answered the transmission. Yes. So is this a trick question? 
No. The clues are all there. <laughs> is it Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> it is not Obi-Wan Dang Kenobi. Dang it. <laughs> Believe it or not, it is not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because he's not a captain. But that's why I thought it was a trick question. I understand. You're going to be really mad at me, I think. No, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'll be mad at myself. What is it? I said, believe it or not, this is Ripley from Alien. Oh, <laughs> that's on me. So adding up your score, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Cameron, you just got 100 points on Ooh. Cosmic Captains. Congratulations. How do you yes. feel? Well, I feel good. Um, I'd like to thank the Lord, first of all, um, as well as my family who supports me. And I, I think this is a whose line is it anyway situation where the games are made up and the points don't matter, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy for the points anyway. I love to mm -hmm. win. So if that's, I, if that's considered a winning score, then I'm glad to have it. I think you earned so many points during this game that on the next game, I'm going to start doing a running demerit as well. So like oh, when yeah. you get <laughs> questions wrong, you lose 20 points. Uh -huh. Like make it like super serious throughout. I don't know. There's no end time until I just decide. So that's also working against you. But yeah, yeah. Until then I'm having a blast just well, watching you sweat. I love it, Kirk. You are the game master. You always have been always will be. I loved it. I'm doing better at these games. I, I can't tell if you're making them easier because you fear my wrath or if you, <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm just getting, if I'm just getting better, I, I feel it could be, it could be either one. It's really a toss up, but for the record, there has only been one unaired game in the history of the for breakfast. It's true. And our near 200 episodes. So. I went full Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I was like, we are not airing. That. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty remarkable. Uh, it was uh, so, it was I was a bad day for me, but that will <laughs> you guys will ne that will never see the light of day. Maybe if we make it big and I can find the audio file one of these days. We'll I think it. you deleted it immediately. I'm sure I, I'm sure I don't have it, but we'll see. Um, all right, until next time. Thank you guys so much for joining us, listening to this episode. As a reminder, you can find all of our episodes on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, as well as our website, Popcorn the Number Four Breakfast. Dot com. We have a lot of exciting things coming up for you next week. Um, I'm sure we'll be reviewing Elvis. That will be the plan, as yes. well as getting into the latest movie news. Maybe we'll talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the finale. We'll see. Um, but we've, we're, we're coming up on our 200, 200th episode and our three-year anniversary, so lots of big celebrations coming our way. Um, expect to have some, some news about what's next for PFB around that time. So be sure to stay tuned. But in the meantime, thanks for bearing with us this week with all the different crazy scheduling stuff going on and for listening to this review of Lightyear and our game Cosmic Captains. Uh, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. And we will see you next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.